Our sermon passage today is Exodus chapter 24. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the, men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua. And Moses went up into the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Amen. Thank you, Beth. If you would, you may be seated, and I would ask you to pray with me. Our Father and our God, this morning we are gathered in the name of Jesus. And by gathering in his name, we trust that you welcome us into your presence. By gathering in his name, we trust that you hear our prayers. By gathering in his name, we trust that you welcome our worship, that you hear our cries for mercy, and that there is hope for us because Christ died for our sin. So in the name of Christ, Lord, your people come. In the name of Christ, we look to you. In the name of Christ, we ask for you by the power of your spirit to teach us to restore us, to renew us, to give us hope, to give us joy, to turn us to you. Lord, I pray for those of us who enter this room today sad, hurting, wounded, disappointed, suffering, Struggling, doubting, fearing, Lord, I pray that you would meet us there in our weakness 
and that your grace would turn our suffering to joy. Would you give us real joy and hope in you today? For those of us that enter this room today filled with joy, walking in blessing, I pray that you would humbly remind us that your blessing and your grace is a gift and to praise you accordingly for it. Lord, you are a good God who loves his children well. Help us know your love. Help us know your word. Help us walk with you today, we pray in Jesus' name. It's so good to see all of you this morning. I'm so glad that you are with us. I want to invite you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 24. If you're our guest this morning, we are working our way through the book of Exodus. So let me hit a few highlights to to draw us all in. The book of Exodus hinges on two major events. Two major occurrences. The first is God powerfully delivering his people from slavery and from bondage and from suffering in Egypt. God has worked definitively for his people. And now they're they're moving on a journey that's brought them to a mountain called Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God meets with the people. He reveals who he is anew to the people. And he gives to the people his law, his word, his expectations for his people. So the two major movements in the book of Exodus is God saved his people from Egypt and God says to his people, I want you to look a particular way that glorifies and honors me. We're in the middle, actually nearing the end of that second major event where God is giving to his people his word He's showing his people what it looks like to live in a way that honors him. And he's showing his people what it looks like to be set free, not just physically, but fully from Egypt. And today in chapter 24 that Beth just read for us, we come to the end of God giving his people this covenant, this law. And what do they do at the end? They accept it. And they celebrate the covenant. They accept it. And they celebrate the covenant. So hence this sermon is entitled, We Will. Because what's, what's laying before the people are the words of the Lord that are intended to shape the people of the Lord. And so let's look at this passage and let's see what it tells us about the Lord and about his word 
and about his covenant with his people. Now, I want to be really clear up front. Um, Our focus today is really verses 1 through 11. So, Beth, sorry for the extra effort that we made you exude this morning. You did great, though, um, in exuding said extra effort. Um, So next week, someone else will have to read verses 12 through 18, as we will consider them next week. So today we're really focusing on these first 11 verses. And what we're going to see is God's people receiving God's word, and we're going to see God's people um, entering covenant relationship with the Lord. So first, receiving God's word. There is a, a running theme through this narrative of God's people saying, we've heard God's word, and we will do God's word. And I think that verb is really important. Like, like we talk about hearing and believing or hearing and thinking differently. But there's a theme in here that is hearing and being different. Hearing and living according to the word. So let's just walk through this theme that that the Lord is really laying out before his people. And it doesn't start here in 24. It actually starts back in 19. So turn back to Exodus chapter 19. Um, So before the Ten Commandments, before the law, before the covenant, Exodus 19 verse 7. God tells Moses, call the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord has commanded them. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses reported these words of the people to the Lord. So the people have said, what the Lord's spoken, we'll do it. We'll hear it, we'll receive it, we'll live by it. Thus, we move into God giving his word, his covenant, his law, his expectations, his guidance, his teaching to his people. And it comes in two parts. The first part is in Exodus 20, what most of our Bibles call the Ten Commandments, And what's unique about these 10 words from God is that God spoke them directly to his people. God spoke them directly to his people. The people of Israel heard the voice of God. So that speaks of importance. That speaks of primacy. And it also speaks of entering the presence of holiness. So then we come, look at chapter 20, verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. So the people said, we can't handle hearing all these words directly from the Lord. 
So the Lord drew, Moses drew near to the Lord, and the Lord gave to Moses this second part of his covenant that we've been calling the statutes or the rules or the regulations. And these are in verse chapter 21, chapter 22, and chapter 23. And here now we come to the end of the the law and the covenant of God where God has given his word through Moses. And how are we going to end it? How are we going to end it? And they're going to end it by the Lord making sure they know what he said and they understand the weightiness of what he has said. So have you ever had like this big powwow, life-altering, we're going to change the world meeting and then nothing ever happens after the meeting? Anybody besides me had that meeting? You know, you get the whiteboard that changes the world except the whiteboard can't accomplish anything. The Lord's making sure that this word that he's spoken to his people will not only be heard, but it'll be remembered. And the people understand that he expects their lives to be shaped by his word. So so let's let's track this down. So so they said, we will do it. The Lord gives it to them. Now look at verse 3. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. So you get this idea of the words and the rules the commandments and the statutes. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So the people said, we we understand what's going on here. We hear it and we will do what the Lord is calling upon us to do. Now they don't stop there. Verse four. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Now, you might just blitz right through that, but you shouldn't. This is very rare occurrence in the Old Testament. We often hear that the the Lord spoke to a prophet and the prophet spoke the word to the people. But in this instance, the Lord spoke the word through a prophet And the prophet spoke the word to the people, and the Lord ensured that the prophet wrote down the word. This is really important. So so that, that, that extra layer should convey remembrance. It should convey shaping. It should convey being passed on. And then we come to a ceremonial element that we'll come back and look at in just a minute. But then look at verse 7. So he wrote it down in verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. So he told them, he wrote it down, and then he read it to them. Can you imagine trying that with your kids about just about anything? We know, Dad. We know. We got it. Maybe just in my house. But I love my children. And pastors aren't supposed to talk about their kids from the pulpit, so I'm talking about your kids. But this 
repetition is important. The Lord wants the people to hear the word. Now look at verse 8. I'm sorry, at the end of verse 7. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. So there is no doubt, no gray area. This is my desire for you. We have heard it. I wrote it down and I read it to you so that you would know this is my desire for you. And they said, we've heard it and we'll do it. So this relationship between God and Israel is a relationship rooted in his desires for them, which shouts this. And I am shouting on purpose. God's word to God's people is of vital importance to God. God's word to God's people is of vital importance to God. He cares. He cares. He's saying, I got you out of Egypt, but I'm not leaving you how I found you. I am going to work Egypt out of you. There is a better way to live, a better way to worship, a better way to pursue me, a better way to know me than what you knew in Egypt, and I'm giving it to you. All these words are a gift from the Lord to say, this is my way, let's walk in it. And the second thing this shouts is God's people understand and embrace the importance of God's word. God's people understand and embrace the importance of God's word. We will. We will. We will. Thrice. The people understand what the relationship is to look like. They understand. And they accept the importance of God's word to them. Now. Okay, pastor, help me today. Help me today. Okay, I will. You know what's crazy? We don't have less word than Israel. We have more. And it's just as good. It's actually better. Because it shows us Jesus and it shows us salvation, and it shows us eternal deliverance, and it shows us everlasting life. But you know what Jesus said? If you would come after me, say you're sorry, and go to heaven forever, that's not what he said. He said, if you would come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Deny yourself of what? Deny yourself of what you think the blessed life is. Deny yourself of what you wish was right and true. Deny yourself of what you like. Deny yourself of what you prefer and take up what? The way of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the words of Jesus. So to walk with Christ, there is life everlasting. There is forgiveness of sins that will transcend this life and move into the next. But the invitation is to affix and tie ourselves to Jesus and follow him. His word is vital to 
us. So God wants God's people to know that the word of God is vital to us. And God wants God's people to accept the importance of God's word. So Christians, we have the word. We have it. We, we own it. If you don't, there's a stack of Bibles right through those double doors. Take one. It's free. Then you can say, I have it. I own it. But one of the things I fear about modern society is does the word own us? Does the word own us? Does the word own the people of God? Meaning like when we go to it, are we just picking up facts that are fun to know and talk about in small group? Or are we saying, do radical work here, oh Lord. Make me like your son. Help me walk in your ways. Let me repent and let go of and be set free from all the stuff that I need to repent of and let go of and be freed from that I could freely follow you. Because our parallel here is we needed deliverance. Christ has delivered us and we need a word and Christ has given us a word. Let's take seriously the word. This passage shouts it. Israel, you don't know exactly how you're going to get home and you don't know what life is going to look like on the way home and I'm giving it to you. Walk with me. Second point. If we read through this passage, the second thing we see is that of covenant relationship. A covenant is an agreed upon relationship. And the overwhelming reality of Exodus 24 is that God enters covenant with Israel. The overwhelming reality is that God chooses to set his love and his mercy and his calling and his affection on a people. God enters into relationship with them. Their God, his people. That's what's celebrated here at the conclusion of this story. So let's look into this. The word of the covenant is intended to form a lasting relationship between God and his people. And in this these verses 3 through 11, both parties formalize this relationship. So verse 3 says, Moses came and told, all, told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses write down, wrote down all the words of the Lord he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. The foot of the mountain is where all the people were. He built an altar there, meaning to approach the Lord. And he built 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. So here at the base of the mountain, Moses builds an altar symbolizing people approaching the Lord. And he builds 12 pillars symbolizing all the people. And then verse 5, he sent young men of the people of Israel. Why did he send young men? Because it was going to be really, really hard work. That's why. And they gathered and 
slaughtered and offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. You might say, well, that's not that big of a labor, except think about this. They sacrificed so many animals that one half of the blood was enough to sprinkle on all the people, okay? This is a whole bunch of sacrificing going on here, okay? So they sacrificed these offerings. Verse 6, and Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins. The basins would be for the people in just a minute. And half of the blood he threw against the altar. So he put some of the blood of the sacrifice on the altar before the Lord. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. So the blood on the altar symbolized the Lord saying, I enter this covenant with the people. And then the people say, we'll enter this covenant And so Moses, verse 8, took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So they have a ceremony where God and the people say, I am enter this relationship. I enter this covenant. And God went first. And the throwing of blood was an, was an act known in the, in the era and in the area to communicate entering covenant. I take the blood of the, of the animal upon me if I don't Continue and carry out the calling of this covenant. So let's just pause and notice what's happened. In this ceremony, the people have received two reminders of God's grace to them. They've received the book, the book of the covenant, and they've received the blood The blood of the covenant. So the book and the blood testify to God's love for his people and God's commitment to his people and God's willingness to enter and walk in a protective, caring, loving relationship with his people. We could stop there and that, like, that'll preach, right? Like, we can make a straight beeline to Jesus a straight line to the New Testament. We'll have a revival and we could go. We'll do that in a minute. But there's something better here. We can't stop. Keep reading verse 9. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the seven and 70 of the elders of Israel. Now, this group God selected over here in verse 1. And they got to go further up the mountain and closer to the presence of the Lord. Now look at verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel, 
they beheld God and ate and drank. Now let's ponder verse 11 for a minute. The first part here about laying his hands on them, what that means, don't think book of Acts like prayer of blessing, think destruction. And what that means is, God was present with his people in a limited way, but present with his people enough that they knew his presence. And the people weren't destroyed because they were in covenant relationship with the Lord. And what did they do? They partied, they had a celebration, they ate and drank. They feasted. They enjoyed. It was filled with joy to be in relationship with the Lord. This covenant is good. Let's celebrate it. This covenant is good. Let's delight in it. To know the Lord and be known by the Lord and be welcomed into the presence of the Lord is a gift. It's a gift. And perhaps we're like, I want that gift. This gift comes to us through Jesus, the Son of God. I know we've said that so much running through Exodus, but let's pull on this thread and let's see what we find. What we find is Luke chapter 22, verse 20. The last meal that Jesus would take with his disciples. It says that Jesus took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. What Jesus is saying is that my blood is going to make covenant for you. My blood is going to both deliver you and welcome you to follow me. Jesus is the sacrificial offering for the people of God, bringing God's people into covenant relationship with God. And we're a people of the blood. And we're a people of the book. Because the Lord has redeemed us and saved us to walk in his ways in this world while we wait for him to come. So people of Redeemer... Very simply, I want us to know the joy of covenant relationship with the Lord. And what the scripture says is that sinful people become friends of God through the blood of Jesus. We're welcomed into his presence. We're called beloved. We're called forgiven. We're called accepted. We're indwelt by his spirit. And we are transformed day by day and moment by moment to be like him. Because we're the people of the blood who are guided by the book, who are carried by the spirit.